0: be damned if the same politicians
1: who refuse to act then are going to try to come back today. The real content of any kind of revolutionary thrust lies in the in, in the principles and the goals that you're striving for. When the powerful use their position to bully others, we all lose. A system of justice will be the richer for diversity of background
2: and experience.
1: <laughs> She's a woman! Hello, everybody. It's me, Miss Cracker. I'm here with my co-pilot, Caitlin, and it's time for She's a Woman. It's a podcast for every human being who looks in the mirror and says, she's a woman, and for the people who love them. Every week, we talk to incredible women of all kinds from all walks of life and invite them to share their stories with you, our incredible listeners. And that's exactly what we're going to do. Today, how are you doing today, Caitlin?
2: I'm okay. I know, just okay. I don't know. Nothing to report, really. It's nine months into a pandemic, and I sit around a lot. I don't know. You could have had you know? a
1: whole kid by now.
2: It's true. I'm not sad.
1: Yeah, it is sad. <laughs> I know. It's sad, Caitlin. <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I expected a child. Uh. Um, I I thought of the word for it. It's sir, thriving, and that's when you're. Just surviving, but trying to convince yourself that you're thriving. Do you know what I mean? You're like, oh, I'm cooking, I'm...
2: Yeah, yeah. You're like, I'm saving money because I'm not out buying dinner and drinks, you know. This is actually a good. It's a positive
1: yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah. So it's like when you listen to someone who uh, whose partner of like 20 years left them suddenly with no explanation, they're like, you know what? This is actually great. This is me time. Yeah. I'm finding me. You're like, yeah.
2: And you're like, they are refusing to wallow in the pain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: but we don't refuse. No.
2: <laughs> in fact, we indulge in the wallowing a little too much, yeah. probably.
1: exactly. <laughs> What's the opposite of a uh, silver lining?
2: Um... Oh. I don't know. Shit
1: end of the stick, I think.
2: Oh, okay. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe.
1: Anyway, we like to focus on the shit end of the stick. We do. Because we are- We uh, focus on the pouring rain cloud,
2: not the silver lining. Right? <laughs> right? Yeah.
1: Because we like want to be, keep it real. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to dive right into our serious groundbreaking interview today, but- First, I have a little treat for you, Caitlin.
2: I don't know the good news today.
1: (laughs) It's a good one. Every week, in fact, we do a little segment called Here's the Good News, where we share positive stories torn from the headlines. The idea is that we'll bring you, our listeners, a little hope during these difficult times. And I think that this story will give you some... Pause for thought, Caitlin. Is it another
2: dog? (laughs) Good (laughs) news.
1: It's another dog. We
2: can't stay away from it. (laughs) No.
1: Okay. So here's the good news: the New Guinea singing dog isn't extinct. Now I know you're probably wondering, what is that? A singing dog? Exactly. Right. Okay. I'll explain. For now, I'm just gonna say this: this adorably perky dingo-like animal. Disappear. Dingle? <laughs> dingo. <No. laughs> it's a dingo. <laughs> okay.
2: Okay. The dingo-like animal disappeared.
1: Yeah. This adorably perky dingo-like animal disappeared from the wilds of New Guinea long ago, only to be discovered again this fall on the island's Indonesian side, A.K.A. They're alive, Caitlin. These dogs are still a- alive. A bunch of them. A bunch of them are still alive, enough to uh, define them as no longer extinct, which, oh you know, my takes God. a few. So, um, I know that you're excited because it's a dog.
2: Yeah, but why does it sing?
1: Well, we'll get there. <laughs> okay. I want to tell you the special things about the dog. Okay. okay? Uh, two things. First of all, we have to note the obvious cuteness factor. They mm. look kind of like a ginger dingo. Aww. Which actually sounds like Nicole Kidman's Twitter handle or something.
2: Ginger <laughs> Dingo. Yeah, yeah, I could see that for her.
1: They look kind of like a ginger, ginger dingo with a bright red coat, perky ears, and a very oh. bushy tail. So obviously, we have to value the cuteness. Oh yeah. Um, but more importantly, according to the New York Times, the New Guinea singing dog is a dog with a very special past. It's considered the most ancient domestic dog on Earth.
2: Wow!
1: So like our so they've
2: been around for yeah a long time.
1: Yeah, it's like our, your first friend. Mm.
2: Okay. In right. first
1: grade, that you still kind of talk to.
2: Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Oddly, like distant now, but still weirdly important.
2: Exactly. Yeah. You you'd get in touch with them, you know.
1: Every Christmas. Right. Or yeah. Birthday or something. But yeah, that's them. They're like wild now, but they used to be. Um, the most Aww. ancient domestic dog on Earth. So their story may shed light on the complicated and still emerging picture of dog domestication uh, in, Asia, in Asia and Oceania. That is to say, studying the singing dog can teach us about the relationship between dogs and humankind. I mean, their story can open up a window into human history that we wouldn't have without them.
2: And they were hiding?
1: They were just kind of like. No one
2: knew where. They yeah, they no were? one knew where they were. Huh, interesting.
1: And uh, okay, so now you asked a couple times and I avoided it, but you're you're kind of like fuck the history lesson. Let's talk about why they're called the singing dogs.
2: Do they sing? <laughs> but
1: I kind of wanted to leave that part for last because I did some research and their howl is definitely. Just like a normal house dog, oh. owl.
2: <laughs> so they're called the singing dogs for no reason, basically. For basically
1: no reason. Oh. I kind of wanted to open up a YouTube link and hear this like chilling, mournful song, but. Yeah,
2: like, r- like weirdly like in pitch yeah. or something. Right, yeah. You're like,
1: oh, that doesn't sound like anything I've heard before. Let's name this dog the singing dog. The singing dog. But for anyone who has a dog, you know this noise is the same noise that happens every time an ambulance goes by your house, you know?
2: Right, yeah, yeah.
1: So, sorry, singing dogs. You're just... Well,
2: maybe since they were one of the first of their kind, they were like, wow, what is this beautiful noise? (laughs) But now we're used to it.
1: Now we're used to it. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, this is just another story about how losing animals to extinction has a huge impact on humanity. We miss out on the relationships we could build with the animals, but we also possibly miss out on learning about our own past if we...
2: That's true. Yeah. And now they're wild again. We failed them, you know?
1: Right. Right. They're they kind of were, like, <laughs> fuck you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of like back to that first grade friend. Like, if you lose that friend, then um, you have this whole childhood trove of childhood stories. That
2: you can't really ever talk about with anybody else because they don't get it.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So the singing dog could be that that friend.
2: That's right. Yeah.
1: I really wish that they had a cool how because I could see a whole Disney movie.
2: Oh, you're right. right. Like if Balto has one. You're right. You know?
1: Yeah. The, the, the singing dog would be like rock except for <laughs> dog-a-doodle.
2: <laughs> rock-a-doodle?
1: You don't know rock-a-doodle?
2: No, What's that?
1: The You don't know about rock doodle
2: <laughs> No, what's Rock-A-Doodle? Rocka
1: doodle is the story of a rooster who's basically Rooster Elvis.
2: And it's a true story? No. Oh. <laughs> well, you said, like, the singing dog, so I thought maybe... <laughs> well, no, I've never heard of Rockadoodle. doodle
1: We have to watch rock doodle <laughs> It's this rooster who has this Elvis-like singing voice in a cartoon. I think it's like a dream work or something. Okay. And uh, he... um Becomes a famous rooster. <laughs> now I need to call my first grade friend because I don't remember I'm, exactly how the story okay, goes. Okay,
2: yeah, I've never heard of it.
1: But we're going to watch it. <laughs> anyway, what the hell are we talking about?
2: The singing dog. The
1: singing dog.
2: And how it's important that we don't let our
1: it is It is important. Dogs down. And I, I don't want to look at the shit end of the stick of this story, mm-hmm. but um, there have been other dogs that we've been friends with that haven't been so lucky Um, there was a dog in the Pacific Northwest of the United States that gave wool like sheep. And it was bred in captivity by the indigenous people of the Pacific Northwest, of the (laughs) Pacific... It's okay. I can't say Pacific (laughs) Northwest. (laughs) Of the Pacific Northwest. Um, So it's like Washington State's answer to the singing dog in a way because it was one of the most ancient uh, friendships between animals and people there. Um, but they, they weren't so lucky. They are extinct now. They're gone forever. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah it was
1: European settlers that were like, what's the point of this?
2: Yeah. Very sad.
1: So we lost that dog and we probably lost a lot of our own history um, when we allowed that dog to go into extinction. However, just to keep things on a positive note, because this is the good news section. That's right. We have put a picture of the insane woolly dogs of the (laughs) Pacific Northwest on our podcast page. She's a Woman podcast, all one word, all lowercase, on Instagram. That's right. And we also put uh, a little sample of the singing dog singing
2: as well. Oh, okay. Yeah.
1: It's literally just like... oh. Ro, ro, ro.
2: Oh, so cute! <laughs> Any, uh, that's you. That's not even the dog. <laughs> that's <is> a, you. <laughs> I you know. know. <laughs>
1: yeah. You know what it is. <laughs> anyway, uh, so that is that's our good news for today, and it is an excellent warm up because we have some very spirited ladies with us today. My guests today, Caitlin, are Liz Cully and Darren Carp. Um, they host an amazing podcast that I have guested on before and it's called Scissoring Isn't a Thing which is Embassy Rose's first LGBTQIA culture podcast. By the way, I told my mom that uh, my mom listened to Scissoring Isn't a Thing and she was like, right, but what is scissoring?
2: <laughs> and I was like, oh no! Yeah, I have too- to explain this to my mom, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. I, I told her, I was like, I'm a little out of it lately. So I was like, imagine if a two pairs of scissors were kissing. But then the instead of scissors it's lady legs. And I, I think that's the worst way to to describe it. I
2: can't believe you took the time to describe it. I would be like, "Mom, look it up. I'm not Oh my no. god, you're right. I, <laughs> I should be I like, know, like right? text describing. You're like, "Well, <laughs> I know."
1: <laughs> but yes, um That is what it is, but it isn't a thing. And that's why this podcast (laughs) exists. So we have these two wonderful hosts of this podcast. Um, We have Liz Cully, who is a seasoned producer, on-air talent, writer, and business executive. Because hello, businesswoman. Mm -hmm. She has starred in dozens of print and commercial ads. Has written multiple digital first shows for ABC. Hosted the X Games and created and starred in the hit YouTube show. Getting nailed, and then we have Darren Carp as a former NBC page. Carp came right out of the program to assist Andy Cohen at Bravo, where she created the web series Ask Andy. At the start of 2014, Andy and Darren left Bravo to start a new production company, Most Talkative, which I feel like I belong there. Um, <laughs> since leaving, Darren has become a correspondent for Bravo TV, where she hosts numerous. Web series, and we're going to get into that. Let's do it. Because I'm one of those assholes that has basic Zoom. I don't have the upgraded yet, which I really need to. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, you're, fa-
3: you're famous. You should probably have upgraded Zoom, but...
1: Did you see that Hillary Clinton has basic Zoom that That's she doesn't so have the silly. upgraded version. <laughs> she she was on a uh, broadcast interview and it cut out like you know you've reached your forty minute max. <laughs> is,
0: is updated Zoom like the like the new iPhone in the era of COVID in twenty twenty? Oh, where it was like, absolutely. Camera and now we're like, do you have Zoom five Like this is where we've
1: come in society. Ooh, yes. Yeah. Ooh. Like oh she, that's she's got money. Stick around <laughs> with her. Oh my god. First of all, I want to say to these incredible women, welcome to the show. How are you guys doing today?
0: Good. We're so excited to be here. I mean, I know that your audience cannot see us, but I just want the audience to know that I'm triggered because Ms. Cracker and Liz decided to wear the exact same fucking color and no <laughs> one told me. And now I feel like I'm a little less than and I, I, I'm, I'm triggered, guys.
3: I'm triggered. Aaron, I have to take small victories and small moments to hold like even a, a, a flicker of a light I, to you. So if <laughs> it was me being mean and matching Ms. Cracker on her show, then sorry.
1: I'm Tell really you. glad. I'm glad to have you guys on here because I was just on your podcast and you guys pack so much. You go so deep um, in one episode and I think that's what makes the, the show so great is that Thank you... you Talk about the stuff that makes us laugh, but you also talk about the things that we need to to confront today, and uh, you make it entertaining the whole time, which is, of course, from a drag queen's perspective, the most important thing.
3: <laughs> that's a pretty big compliment. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Oh, that's... coming from you. That's
1: and nice. you're welcome. That will be my last compliment of the day. But this is this is how I want to start this out because you know I. I know that a lot of young women will be listening to this little fireside chat, and I kind of want to know from each of you: When did you know that you wanted your voice to be heard? Like, when did you know that you wanted to be an entertainer or an on-screen talent, as as they say?
0: Liz, you can go first on this. One. Oh, okay. okay, first, ladies. Um, first. Um, thank you. Well,
3: I was one of those little weird kid actors. So I knew really, really young that I loved making people smile and making people happy. I also am the youngest out of four children. And so my parenting was like, hey, you, kid number four, are you alive? You're still good? Like, okay. So I had to work really hard in my family where all of my siblings and parents were quite successful to kind of, so to speak, make a name for myself or make sure that they fed me. They were they were reminded like, oh yeah, there's that loud kid in the back. She needs to eat dinner. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I started acting really, really, really young, um, doing commercials even as a kid. It was funny. My parents, when I got to a certain stage, were like, we have day jobs and we really are not taking you to auditions. So- Right. Figure it out. Um,
2: Yeah.
3: But I think what was interesting, you know, from your question and what transitioned for me from acting into more being, I guess, a host and personality was that I just wasn't finding. And when I, I, I'm talking when I kind of left theater and was doing more commercial kind of television acting, I had a really hard time getting cast because they said that I was too many things. I was pretty, but I wasn't, you know, thin enough. Or I was had a deep voice, but I wasn't dark haired or big enough. I, I wasn't enough to fit any type of role. And I was like, well, I love making people laugh and, you know, and, and introducing other people. I love discovery. Well, why don't I just be myself? And so I think that's when I transitioned more into hosting and producing and writing and things like that. And it was more about finding the confidence that who I was was enough and that I had something that could either make people smile or cry or laugh or inspire other people. And I think that happened um, around my mid-20s. My
1: it's so funny. It's, it sounds like you ran into a little bit of the thing that we hear from a lot of our guests that are in entertainment is there's this special standard, a very weird standard for women where you can't be an entertainer and be pretty because the pretty will be distracting, but also you have to make sure to be pretty. Do you know what I mean? Like, It's this weird, like, it's the, like wait, wait, Where? Do, what am I supposed to do then? I yeah. can't be funny if I'm pretty, but if I'm not pretty, I can't be funny? You know what I mean?
3: Listen, I've had so many people tell me no. I've met so many people along the way that now are huge stars where I'm like, oh my God, that's so funny. We were in acting class however many years ago. I've seen people not make it. I've seen it all. And I think for me, um, I just kept working and I kept finding a different angle or taking a different job that you know, no job was too big or too small. And yeah, I mean, for me, if I'm being really blunt, it just kept coming down to my weight. And I just want to say, because I think, you know, no one can see me. Like, I'm not a big person. I mean, I'm like a little woman, but it was never enough. I mean, and it was so... And I just got to a point where I was like, I just can't have somebody tell me to lose any more weight. I just I can't get thin enough and I yeah. and I don't know what's enough anymore.
1: Uh, Darren, you had a like a rocket climb when you when it was your time, but when when did it all start for you? When did you realize this this is how you wanted to ha- speak to the world?
0: Well, thank you for saying I had a rocket climb. I mean, for me, I'm one of those lucky people that sort of has always known what they wanted to do. I've wanted to be a game show host since I was 7 years old and so I've been game show, nothing but game shows. I was that kid. They'd come home from school. I put on Game Show Network. I would watch the game shows from the 60s and 70s with the plaid flannel suits and the big lapels and the long skinny mics. And I was just captivated. I mean, it was really interesting though, because with Liz talking about like the image and, you know, and even you, Miss Cracker, saying like, you know, you can't be too pretty, but you can be pretty. For me, I never thought about that growing up because, well, when I've always sort of, I always viewed myself as like, this tomboyish, like not girly girl, awkward type of person. I was athletic, but I was also into theater. And so I've kind of fit many molds over the years. But for me, I wanted to go into a field that was predominantly like 98% male. Like there are very, very few female game show hosts from back in the day. Like
1: No, Alexis Trebek.
0: Yeah, right. Exactly. I mean, today, you know, listen, like we have Leslie Mann, we have Leslie Jones, like we have Jane Lynch, like we have tons of women that are in the field, but back in the sixties and seventies, how I grew up, at least from watching those shows, it was Betty White or bust. And she was she was married to a famous game show host, Alan Ludden at the time. And so for me, it was always just like, I want to do that because it feels so right to my personality. Um, and it wasn't so much of like having a voice, as much as it was, this looks like so much fun. And if I can get someone to pay me to have fun, like that's the dream job for me. And I've kind of like stayed on that for a little while.
1: Oh my gosh, she's giving away our secrets. <laughs> she's, telling, <laughs> she's telling everyone what the actual thing about it is. Yeah. By the way, uh, Darren's new book, Betty White or Bust is, uh, <laughs> is coming, it's a out. It's coming out soon. Um, so yeah, along the way was you were becoming yourself like, were you getting people saying, oh, there's no women doing that. Look at the television. Were you getting those negative responses to your dreams because you were a woman?
0: It's interesting that you say that. And, and no, but the reason that I wasn't really getting that was because when you tell someone at whatever age, 12, 22, I'm 32 now, like you want to be a game show host, they're like, who like has ever said that that you know? like It's right. such a niche, weird thing to want to be. It's so specific that I think people are mostly just taken aback that someone genuinely just wants to be a game show host. I don't think it was like, oh, she's a woman. I think it was like, oh my God, what the fuck does this person want to be? like that? There's no clear path to that. And so for me, I, I never felt like I was held back in terms of being a woman. It was just like, I had no idea how you become that. Like, there's you don't you know, become a, an assistant game show host and then a manager and then a director. Like, <laughs> wow. there's no path uh-huh. to do it. And so, it wasn't so much that anything could stop me. It was more I don't even know where to start. Type right. Thing, you know, right. and I think it helped that I work for. I w- still work for for a man who was like so supportive of females and in this great environment that when I really became in my formative years, my career, when I, when I started to get into a professional environment, it was an added bonus. I felt like to be a woman, let alone a gay woman. Like it, it, it felt like it really enhanced my image in a weird way. I've taken advantage of it, which has been good. And in not yeah. everyone's experience, for sure.
1: Weirdly, it sounds like you had a dream that was so big that it just shut people up. You never got to the sex of part. That's, so I mean, I think that's, that's a really good life lesson. Have dreams that shut people up. Have dreams yeah, that people much. are like. And I'm
0: also like the type of my dad used to say, I'm the type of woman that can give you the middle finger with her eyes. And like, that is my purse of Like, Ooh. I am that purse of
3: fuckingality. I <laughs> hope we can curse
0: oh, here, Ms. Cracker, because oh, yeah. Jersey, it's happening. Okay. Sorry. It's called expression. Um, and and I think, you know, the more people would ever doubt me, you know, or, or, or look at me, like, just made me that much more motivated. I've always been motivated by fear and the fear of failure. Like, that has really been the driving force behind my ambition. So... Come at me! I'm I'm prepared to shatter that, all of those expectations.
1: Bring the trial on, she says. Yes. Oh, yes. I love that. But what what about you, Liz? What about you know? As you were, because you went through many permutations, and as you're trying to find what you wanted to do with your voice, what were what was the feedback that people were giving you? The telling you, oh, this is possible. Or no,
3: it's so interesting, and maybe that's why when Darren and I originally met. A couple of years ago and decided to do something together was this idea of fear of failing. I mean, I listen, people told I also I don't even put it in my bio, but I was on tour. I had a band for a couple of years, which was incredible, an amazing experience. I I'm sure you know this better than anyone, Ms. Cracker. Being on the road is not glamorous, it's actually gross.
0: <laughs> Unless you're a drag queen, Liz, in which case everything
3: drag queens do are fast. Everything
1: True. is handed to you. <laughs> okay,
3: so you guys, you, y'all were not on the bus that I was on. I was like,
1: no, we were definitely on the don't poop on this bus bus. <laughs> yeah. like, it's like
2: uh, That's it's so the bus I would be on for
1: yeah. sure.
3: But no, so I mean, you know, I was kind of juggling all of these things and, and yeah, of course. I mean, I definitely had a lot of people saying you're crazy. I mean, I think my parents, you know, my dad's from New Zealand my mom uh, wasn't allowed to go to college, so she. They were really. They're like, yes, this like Hollywood thing, this, these dreams. They're cute, but like, what's your real job? And I think right. you know that's why the the quick pivots into learning how to produce really quickly and learning everything about production on my own or writing, right. assistant writing. Um, learning now I'm a sales executive where I'm slinging like branded content and ads on the internet. And blah, right. da, like, I just kept moving and pivoting to make sure that I always, you know, had food on the table. Um, right. Also to kind of beat, you know, let people know, like, no, I'm not dumb. And I'm not, I can't, just because I didn't get cast in this or I got, we talked about it on um, our podcast. You know, I was put on a pilot and thought that that was like it. I'm
1: like, oh I'm- oh, every pilot is the one.
0: <laughs> but um Every no I pilot's guess, gonna be the next you know whatever yeah, right?
1: yeah
3: exactly
0: I was like I'm Reese
3: Witherspoon if you were confused <laughs> um but no I just I think I just kept pivoting and I think it's that little voice within yourself that's like no they're not right I'm yeah. right I yeah. know you know yeah so.
1: what well, you mentioned that your uh mother was not allowed
3: not allowed to go
1: to, to, college. Go to college can you talk about that
3: Sure. Um, good old Jane. We call her Joan Crawford on uh, some of the shows. No wire hangers in this house.
1: Right. She's not <laughs> mad at you. She's mad at the dirt.
3: Right. She is mad. Um, <laughs> I, yeah. My mom was, you know, from a upper middle class family on the main line in Pennsylvania. And her mother thought it was just like just horrible for women to go to school. My grandmother ended up living with us when I was younger. And My mom, she'll tell you, she made up these stories at cocktail parties later on in the 70s to tell people, like, lying about where she went to school. But she would listen to everyone in the room to make sure that they didn't go to the school she was going to lie about because she was so embarrassed.
2: Um, Oh, my
3: gosh. I know, it's so crazy. My grandparents just thought she should get married, and that is it. And actually, what she ended up doing was she worked in a the first Chinese restaurant in her like whole area in the sixties. And then she left in the middle of the night with her best friend and went to Europe for a year.
1: Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) What did you think? What did you think looking at her story like that? What did that, that was your woman figure.
3: Yeah. And, you know, my mom ended up going and starting her own business. She was a very successful travel agent. She worked at my dad's company, Um, you know, always made sure to be very glamorous with a martini and long red nails. I mean, she she's a character. I was really inspired by the fact that even though her parents had told her no, she had made, you know, a career and a life for herself. So similar, everyone's telling me, I, you know, you can't do this, you can't do that. It's that little voice inside of you that says, yes, you can.
1: That is a, a truly amazing story. Okay, so you have these two ladies that have made themselves. And now I want to know how you guys came together. You mentioned your your meeting. What was the the, the evening that brought you together? Because I have this vision. That it, was it was
0: actually it was actually a lunch that brought us together, right, Liz? I'm not remembering this incorrectly. You were no. Cheers to the ladies And I, I want to say it was at Chaconi's in was that Chaconi's in, in Hollywood. LA. Yeah, in LA. And our mutual friend who also works at Embassy Row, who like actually runs a podcast, of his not Sarney, introduced us. And I think it was a little bit like oh, you're a lesbian, oh, you're a bi, like, you'll like each other, like, type of thing. Like, it was one of those things. And Liz can tell you, one of the first things I fucking said to her, you know, we sit down perfectly nice, be kiki, like we're having a great time. And she puts her, you've seen her nails, right? And so she puts her, she's ordering something. I go, sweetie, I go, you do not hook up with women with those nails. And she goes, um, my wife has no complaints about it. And I was like, oh shit, because her nails are so long that I was like, no good lesbian has long nails. Right. You know, I was like, totally taken aback. She's like, well, I've got no complaints and I'm bi. And I was like, okay we need to start a podcast about like (laughs) stereotypes and even like stereotypes within us. I mean, it was just a joke and Liz obviously took it wholeheartedly, but that was kind of the meeting of the minds, right, Liz? Am I remembering or disremembering something? No, it's
3: totally right. And you know what I have to admit? And I've, in all of our shows, I haven't admitted it, but I'll admit it on this show, is Good. I thought you were a vegan for some reason. Nothing wrong with being That's a That's offensive. Vegan. But then Why? she
1: looked at your nails.
3: Right, and then I was <laughs> like, like this, realized, is right this is a carnivore right here. This is a
0: carnivore.
3: Well, no, because I remember Sarny was like, I really want you to meet Darren. She's so smart. She's so cute. Like, works for Andy. We really want to do something with her. And Embassy Row at the time had taken Getting Nailed, My Nail Show, and we were again, for anyone that's listening that is in entertainment, and I'm sure both of you guys can back me up, don't stop going. Like getting nailed has been bought and sold by like every network in the world. It, it this is like a one, they had bought the show. We had met Darren. They're like, we want to keep going with you. But like the whole deal fell through, like whatever. I don't know. I just have to say that. I know it's your show, Ms. Cracker, but People, you go, just keep going is my one thing for you guys. because well, That is lot. exactly
1: why we have this show, for you to say things like that. Because you yeah. know what? Our listeners need to hear it kind of, but they're not even here yet. I needed to hear that right now. <laughs> In the but anyway, so.
2: Yeah.
3: So she said, Darren's so cute. And I was like, well, I looked on Darren's social and she looks really healthy. Is she vegan? Like, where should we go to lunch? Like, I think Chaconis is so, you know, LA, they'll have vegan food. And this one sits down and I don't even remember. I think
0: I ordered heard. a burger and fries. I was yeah. like, <laughs> and I was like, and can I have cheese, like chili cheese fries with it? Like I am, I like, I don't know why you assume that I don't know. I'm fit. That I was a vegan, but all right, I'll take it. It was. I don't know.
3: You're skinny and that. hot, Darren. All you fucking lesbians who <laughs> are skinny and hot—they're all vegans. What do I know?
1: I love that you had so many like uh, assumptions to, yes, to begin both. that there was, and and it's funny because like you, I think you suggested your podcast is sort of about taking them all apart, and I, I kind of wanted to to ask you, like you have an opportunity to do a podcast that's just entertainment and uh, getting the good stories from celebs and public personalities. But then you, like I said, you dig in and you talk about assumptions and how we can break those down. And you talk about the tough issues. Why do you, why do you want to do that when you could just be having a good time?
0: Well, I mean, for me at least, and I'm not going to speak for Liz, because sometimes we do have different opinions about this. But for me, like we just found that every time we would get together as friends, like there would be all these things that would happen to us that we would be like, "Can you fucking believe that straight people ask us this?" Like, we'd be like, "Can you fucking imagine this?" And I actually think it was one of our first conversations where we were literally talking about scissoring. You know, yes. we were like, "Oh, that's how girls have sex." And then Liz was like, "Yeah, but scissoring, like, it's a thing." And I was like, "It's not a thing." And she was like, "No, but it's a thing." Like, trust me, I do it. And I was like, "It's not a thing. I am a lesbian. I am telling you, it's not." I'm a like, th- I have the
3: bruises on my pelvic right. bone um, right. to and prove I like, to you what? that we bump.
0: Yes. It happens. We're just bumping labias. That's what we're doing here in, in lesbianism. Yes. We're just bumping <laughs> labs. And it was just, it was so funny because for me, like it takes a lot for me to get offended. Like I fully believe that you can ask me whatever you want and like, I really will not be offended. But eventually I got a little bit tired of people You know, I had a couple men over the years being like, you're a waste to men, you know, because, like, I'm not into them, which is, like, (laughs) wildly insulting. Like, you don't even – like, it's so insulting that it just, like, blows right past you. You know, and I got tired of it being like, well, who's the top? Who's the bottom? How do women have sex? And so I was like, let's just create the fucking podcast about this and talk about the insane things that the LGBTQ community gets asked, that the straight people in the world – never deal with or at least like the cisgender heterosexuals never deal with and it's and they don't understand how fucking weird it is like it's so weird where i'm like first off the internet exists people like go look on anything and you can find how millions of lesbians and women have sex like this is not you don't need to go to the library and go look it up in encyclopedia britannica like fucking type it into your google search and you will find it but like the fact that you're still asking me this is like it, 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 there's some disconnect there. The like,
1: burden of education falls on you.
0: Yeah, pretty much. And right. I'm okay with it. Like, I'm okay with that. But we were like, let's have these conversations because I know that we're not the only two females having this problem. Like, sure, drag queens get asked all the time. Like, there's so many mis- misconceptions of yeah. people who are not cishet that we just wanted a platform where we could talk about it and have fun, you know, when we play on our own stereotypes of each other. You know, right. again, the first time I met Liz, I was like, "You're not a lesbian because your nails are long." Right. You know, like we play on that all the time, and some are okay and some just aren't, you know?
3: And I think actually Ms. Cracker, you touched on this in our show. I really am clearly plugging everyone to go listen to our episode with you. Uh, the whole cause point. You should. The whole yeah, you reason. Should. Um, but you know, we, you, you mentioned, which I really resonated with me was the commodification of quote gays to maybe sometimes cis straight women. And so I thought it was really interesting that we talked, you know, you mentioned Ms. Cracker, the commodification of gay men or gays, queers, uh, by straight people sometimes. And I think what's been really fun about, doing the show and having the fun moments, but also getting into serious moments and having people kind of discuss what they observe or what's meaningful to them is like, we had that amazing conversation with you about misogyny, um, within, you know, queer culture with Bob, the drag queen, we spoke, um, literally the week of BLM erupting across this nation and what that right. meant to Bob. Yeah. We spoke to Buck Angel who is our trampa and why it is important for Buck to be identified as transsexual and not as trans and that right. is very different and you got and I am not speaking for a good old my trampa but go listen yeah. to Buck he's amazing but yeah. people needed a voice to say what they needed what they want to say and what they need to say and it, it tends to toggle the line of serious and fun because I think like, shit, there's a lot of serious stuff that we don't ever get the opportunity to talk about with each other as peers, to learn, to ask questions that feel safe. Like- Trust, I mean, you should, again, that episode with Buff, we're like, whoa, can we ask this? Can we say this? And he's like, yes, say what you want. Like, I'm here to educate and I want you to ask these questions so that you don't continue to have assumptions. And so I think that's what why it kind of gets emotional
0: sometimes
3: um, because there's a bunch of shit we don't get to talk about.
0: And it's hard to like, you know, one man's trash is another man's treasure. You know, like I might not want to be called a dyke. I might not self-identify as that. Yeah, But other lesbians I know proudly say that no problem. And like, that might not be an offensive term to them and it might be offensive to some. So it's hard to know, like, there's not general rules, like not every gay man is the same, not every lesbian is the same, not every bisexual is the same. And so for us, it was really combing through like individual stories and recognizing that we're all individuals. We're not right. We're not necessarily defined by our labels, but some people want to be and why and, and how can we better society through that? And so it was, you know, things get jumbled all the time and it's just interesting like certain people's standards versus others.
1: Yeah. And then the whole, I feel like uh, on your podcast there is the laughter that is the motor oil that keeps the engine running with and it, it gives people this permission to to talk about what could be seen as tough issues tough topics delicate terms um and you use laughter to get through it and in case you're listening and you're wondering like oh is there something that i can learn from scissoring isn't a thing like is there really something for me i all i already have stone cold proof that scissoring isn't a thing is educational because my mom <laughs> listened to it immediately. Uh, yeah, she listened to it immediately. Yeah, yes. And uh, she was like, first of all, thank you so much for, you know, saying that your sister and I were your allies in going through this. But what is scissoring? <laughs>
3: I'm so sorry. I have to tell you that comes up with the moms. All the time. I'm, I'm, thank you.
0: My mom was like, I was listening to you on Scissoring and I'm like, please stop talking to me, mom. Don't say that out loud to friends because they're not yes. going to know what the fuck
1: you're talking about. They're <laughs> not going to know. So with that in mind, with the idea of opening these great conversations, I kind of want to know, what was an interview that you had that showed you you were like... On the right track with your podcast. So, is there an eye-opening interview that you're like, "Yes, scissoring isn't the thing; is a thing." Do you know what I mean? Because I think every every journey has that moment.
0: Well, there's two that come to mind, and I feel like Liz and I are going to say one of the two. I feel like she's going to say Buck Angel, which is definitely one right. of them, and I highly recommend. Don't speak for me, Darren. Just I know I'm just saying. A question.
1: She's. She me. is woman splaining.
0: for me i am i'm lesbians i'm labia explaining Um, (laughs) what is the labia thing you are talking about labia of love i don't know we're never gonna get invited to be
3: talent ever again if you keep talking about wabias all the time (laughs)
0: you never know it's 2020 people um for me it was actually this writer regina hicks um Mm -hmm. this this, this black writer and she came our way because she writes on the new L word, L word generation Q. Right. And so uh, we had a couple of friends on that show and so she came on and she's probably, you know, she's older, like older than Liz and I and you, she's probably like late forties, maybe early fifties. I'm not trying to age her, but just like of yeah. maybe a different generation when like being gay wasn't, you know, she's not 20. Right. So, and she basically talked about how most of her life, like, you know, she, she was really closeted and really didn't know. And she went to these writer's rooms and she was in this writing room for, for L Word and she was in the writing room watching- No, Insecure. It was on Insecure. Oh, it was on- oh, okay. Insecure that it happened. Sorry, I'm- She
3: was, I'm she was in the writer's
0: room and she said that when she watched the original L Word, it like transformed her and she realized that she needed to- have a come to Jesus moment, for lack of a better term, with herself because she right. was unhappy and she had been in this relationship for like nine years or something. And she was in this writer's room and insecure. And she could just kind of tell that in a writer's room, like you can really see the biases of people, you know, like you, because yeah. you're writing for a perspective. Most writers are writing from a perspective. That they don't know about, you know, like plenty of male writers write for female voices, plenty of female writers write for trans voices, and that's not necessarily going to be as authentic as possible. And so she really just talked about like this full circle experience with her and how she ended up in a job that was encouraging her to come out and she wasn't being authentic to herself by not coming out and it literally brought Liz and I to tears and it was powerful. It was just so powerful watching this really successful, beautiful, nice woman struggle, honestly, with like basically who she was for a lot of her life. And uh, she's single now. Hey, ladies, she's single. Yes. Uh, we're trying to set her up with our editor. Um, I we're hope getting so-,
1: so much done We're, standing- we're on like- this podcast. <laughs> we are plugging shows and possibly plugging other things.
0: Yeah, <laughs> plugging that. We absolutely plugged it. And she was just, she was like revolutionary. Like it was just, it was just seeing this person who was someone I admire, someone who's older than me, go through these struggles and still come out better on the other side, having come out at such an, an older age than normal people. You know, most yeah. people come out in their teens, 20s and stuff. Yeah. I don't think she came out until her 40s maybe. I think it was so, like mid to late 40s. Yeah. It yeah. was just an incredible story. And that one really, it stuck with me for sure.
3: Okay, well, yeah, those were my answers, but... I'm Don't worry. Don't worry. I think what you were asking, Ms. Cracker, I'm not sure, was also, like, perhaps when we felt like the podcast was actually working and it wasn't just, like, a side... I mean, everything is a side... Darren and I, between the two of us, potentially have upwards of 42 jobs. Right. Darren is a woman about town with so many different hands and many... Honey pots myself as well.
0: <laughs> um, so many different labias was what you wanted to say. Like, say yeah, up, despite those nails, one more labia joke and I'm done.
3: But you know, and again for the listeners listening, like I encourage you to have side hustles. I encourage you to do make throw things up on the wall, like because you never know, right? But I think what you were getting at was maybe like when was the episode that you knew maybe it was working? Was that, I don't know if that was kind of what you I were like
1: that. I feel that too. Getting out a little bit yeah. just to
3: differentiate because Darren, for sure, heartstrings, and when really initial deep conversations, I think was Regina and, and Buck, but I have to be honest. It's when people like yourself agree to be on the show, it's so humbling. Yeah. And I know I am speaking for Darren because I know you probably agree with me. It's, we fangirl wow. the fuck out. It really feels like we're on to something, we're doing something cool. It felt like that with Brad Goreski, who I would also say is like a huge, you know, fashion like and TV personality. He came on the show. Um, your colleagues on RuPaul's Drag Race, Shangela, Bob, like yeah. all of these people agreeing to come and give us their time, it floors me. And I love screaming into the back of my house. My wife is a huge RuPaul's Drag Race fan. And I was like, yeah.
0: we have fucking Miss Cracker on the bucket. <laughs> and Peppermint was like that too. Like when we had Peppermint on, yeah, Liz couldn't like stop. I was like, Liz, take a beat. You got to breathe. It's funny though, because Miss Cracker, when you came on, I, you know how we were talking about how Caitlin basically like runs your life and she like filters the dick pics for you. I yes. really need Caitlin. Caitlin, I know that you're on and I know that you're listening. You know, how Kim, you know how Kim Kardashian came out with like that selfie book?
3: Yes. please <gasps> come
0: out with a Ms. Cracker fucking dick pic book. Oh my gosh. Because I would fucking buy it and I want to know the dick pics that these drag... Yes, I would because I want to know like... Wh- like I want Miss Cracker's rating. She could be like... This is a seven because of girth. This is a two because of lighting. And Caitlin, I need you to do this just for me and have it be done. Miss Cracker, I see your wheels running in this. Oh, I'm just
1: thinking the, there's these books that ta- I think Tasha and came out with, the big boobs book and the big dick book. I know were, that. Yes, you know I, them, the coffee table that. books? Mm-hmm. Yes. And I'm just thinking, like, if you take that Vibe and coffee table energy, and you add instructions and tips for life.
3: Tips like, for tips. Like angles for the dick pics, like the yes. lighting. Like the ring light. Like make sure you have like a special Ms. ring light just for the dick pics. You need pic. to
0: do this with Caitlin. I was like, I would i I'm genuinely curious. Like I want to know like what like do you want abs in the pick? Maybe it should just be a dick. Like right. I don't know. I'm just saying there's money to be had here. There's money This is
1: one it. of those things where it's like you will hear so many people say, both men and women, I do not want your dick pics. <laughs> and I think that that strong statement, because I think dicks are beautiful. Right. Um, I, I think that strong statement comes from the fact that there are so many ugly dick pics and we <laughs> would be fixing a huge problem in the world yeah, if you're like, I didn't book. want this, but I do respect it as art. Do you know what
0: I mean? And even Caitlyn being like, "See, I wouldn't show this to Ms. Cracker because right. you know the lighting and the angles, it's not good, and I don't think that it's genuine." Like, it's like having yes. the instructional video between the back, like it's it's a book worth reading. That's oh,
1: book. America's yes. next top dickhead just yes. <laughs> yes. oh my god i love it okay wait, wait now you 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 gassed me up a little bit about how those moments of like having megastars like myself i roll i i do want to pick your brain then because you you know i'm just starting out and i want to know what's what's something that you dropped cut or decided to never ever again do on your podcast
0: I've got two things. One isn't going to apply oh, to you and the other one will. Like, he was quick. You were quick with it. Yeah. You were quick with well, it. I was thinking about this. I will say, so, you know, we have an odd shooting schedule where sometimes we do them weekly, but then like COVID hit and we had like ramped up like 20 episodes before COVID. I was in LA with Liz like early March, right? Like right before quarantine hit. Right. And like no one knew anything about COVID and we probably shot literally 25 episodes. Right. And a lot of it at the beginning, because we didn't know a lot about COVID was like, not making fun of it, but like sort of this, like, right. like ha, ha COVID right. before we knew anything, you know, and like not for nothing. My grandfather died of it. So like I understand the severity of it and like we're not making it
1: you of it. it just yeah. didn't
0: know then. Yeah. Like it was so early on. And I remember Liz and I being like, We gotta cut um anything that mentions this, you right. know, like again, not won't be your issue. But the number two number two thing that I can think of, and I do another podcast as well, and it's 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 something to think about when you have a co-host or a guest, it's like, try not to like stamp on each other's statements, which we do a lot because in conversations, that's how a conversation flows. But for a listener in someone's ear, you know, you want clean cuts and clean edits. And so if you let that person finish their statement, if you want to edit it, it's a lot easier if if someone doesn't like interrupt them or pick off from what they were saying. Right, Liz? Is that-
3: Yeah. Well, and and you can see with Zoom, it's tough because you want to wait because Zoom will like mess up your recording. I have a little bit of advice, especially when you're, God knows, the huge celebrities you'll be booking on this show. But an advice that I think Darren will back me up on is don't let anybody listen to the show before you put it up. You are the captain of this ship. This Mm -hmm. is your, oh, we lost Ms. Cracker. She left.
1: I was looking at Caitlin deep in the eyes. I was like, "I would trust Caitlin. She's, she's no, filtering no. the dick pics for
0: me. Okay,
3: so, good. Yeah. No, but, but I, but listen to my words here as a, and between Darren and I, God knows all I the agree. things we've hosted, right? So typically we're in a situation where we're not technically the talent, but we're, you know, making sure our guest looks as, looks as great as possible. We want you guys to look amazing. We want you guys to have fun. Yeah. You have to trust that we'll edit what we want here. And we'll we'll also a compliment to you is like you, I feel like you're, you were so open, honest, warm, but very polished when you were on our show. Very. Thank you. You're so welcome. And you know, that goes with you're uh, on hit shows. You've been media trained, like whatever. We have let People on our show and the floods of text messages like, can you take this out? Can you take that out? Right. Of course, if it's going to hurt somebody or – of course, we'll edit it out. But the big problem is letting talent listening to themselves. Never. Because I am not exaggerating. I will not name names. But we had a 45-minute episode turn into, what, 19 minutes?
1: Yep. Well, okay. Ladies, I want to thank you so much for teaching me and hopefully – I think there are lessons in all of this for everybody who's listening, um, about finding your voice and about safeguarding your voice. So I just want to, uh, have you guys tell us, you know, where can people follow you and support you? Obviously you can get scissoring isn't a thing wherever you stream podcasts, but tell us how we can support you.
0: Yes, please. Uh, you can follow me personally at Carpe Darren on Instagram, on Twitter. That's my Venmo as well, in case you want to tip me. I'm always into uh, I know Liz is like shook right now that I'd say that, but I did that on another show, and they were like, you should put your Venmo in there. That's hilarious. Us, um, yeah, I know. You never know. But you can follow us at S I A T podcast for scissoring isn't a thing. Yep. And uh, we post all the time. We're also on Twitter and you know Facebook and all that good stuff. So we hope that you listen. Um, and it's I am
3: I well, now I feel like a total ding-dong because I'm listened to Liz on Instagram and Twitter, but also Venmo, which I'm mortified that we're saying. like the wasp, the deep, deep, deep wasp within me is da dying, but that's okay.. <laughs> I just, I just say it as a joke. It works. <laughs> it is. And we are on all those platforms. One more time, S-I-A-T podcast. And I'm, you know, I'm still dying that we had this. This has been such a great. Yeah, experience. literally. I'm like thank in you. knots right
1: now. It's been an honor. Wedding. Twice. My Shayna Poodham. Thank you so much, both of you. Thank you so much for being with me. And uh, everybody, if you get a chance, listen to the podcast and let your mom know.
0: Yeah. let your Only mom your know mom. All about it not yeah. your friends, just your mom just we want all mom. the moms listening
2: to this please, yes
1: <laughs> thank you so much ladies well that was a really great interview, Caitlin
2: I know, they're both smart and funny
1: and they talk about serious issues in a funny way, which is one of our favorite things that people can possibly do that's right and also they sent us champagne
2: they did, <laughs> and we were shocked <laughs> full
1: disclosure <laughs> I know,
2: <laughs> that's not like changing our opinion or anything but no (laughs) not at all
1: we remain unbiased but we did enjoy a nice bottle of champagne for them and the reason they sent it to us of course is because we were on their podcast so once you're done listening to this head over to Scissoring Isn't a Thing which you can stream anywhere yep (laughs) (laughs) oh wow we're out of it oh god we are out of it at the time of recording we are exhausted still from doing a gig that was like 50 hours long yeah, two yep. days ago. Yeah, so. I haven't caught
2: up on sleep still. No, I still haven't
1: <laughs> yeah. caught up on sleep. So, uh, happy new year to everybody.
2: Happy new year. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: That's, like, uh, this, <laughs> this is going to be coming out, uh, this is our first episode of the year. Yeah.
2: Um, well, we made
1: it. We made it. So, congratulations, everybody, for making it to 2021. We're very happy we did, because hopefully this one uh, will be much better. But... Having said that, Caitlin, it's time to wrap up our little show. (laughs) Uh, But first, we're gonna take a little break. Okay, we're back. And now, Caitlin, it is time for us to wrap up the show. So, first, I wanna say this to everybody that's listening if you liked your time with us today, make sure to subscribe rate and review that buzzing noise will happen in the closing of our (laughs) podcast no matter what make sure to subscribe rate and review we love reviews in fact we love them so much we're going to start reading some of our favorite reviews right here at the end of the show this month but enough about that it's time for the credits this podcast was produced by Caitlin Gretham. Thank Hello. you, Caitlin. Yes. <laughs> and then I did it. The cast includes me and also Caitlin. <laughs> and it is distributed by the amazing Studio 71. Woo! So thank you for joining us today. Make sure to tune in next Monday for another exciting episode. And remember, if you ever feel down, all you have to do is look in the mirror and say, She's
2: a... Feeling. Oh, I fell <laughs> down. Okay, okay,
1: okay. Start over, start over. And remember, if you ever feel down, all you have to do is look at the mirror and say, She's a woman! And I'll be with you. <laughs> we nailed that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>